when I switched to software engineering, I started getting recruited by companies like Google, um, Amazon, Facebook at the time, and even Microsoft. And I interviewed with all of these companies at the time, you know, when I was in college. This is Umar, a young Nigerian software engineer working with Microsoft in the United States. Umar was recruited straight out of the university in 2020, and he has now been with Microsoft for over three years. Now, for anyone listening, it might seem that Umar is living the dream. But before this dream, as a student, he faced many nightmares. I interviewed with all those companies. I failed every single one of those interviews, right? I was never hired. So that's like 12 technical interviews for all these companies that I kept failing and failing and failing. And But by never giving up and always being willing to listen and learn from others, Umar turned his fortunes around. I was talking to a recruiter. Essentially, I went there to talk to them to try to get recruited, give them my resume. We're talking and the, the, the guy could tell I was Nigerian as well. And he just said, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give you an interview, but I'll tell you why I'm not going to give you an interview. And he just gave me a rundown of everything that was wrong with my resume that no one ever told me, right? That I thought was good, right? He said, you know, you need to move this this way. I'm not seeing any skills. I'm not seeing any of this. You know, you need to put this bullet point this way. I see this experience, but it's not convincing. You know, just, he gave me the rundown and that conversation changed my life, to be honest, because I knew why I wasn't getting those callbacks. It wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was the way I was presenting myself and it wasn't good, right? After I went back, I made those changes to my resume. The next year I went to that same guy and he offered me an interview at the company because he told me what to go work on. And I worked on it and I came back and I was a better candidate than I was. This is a story about the power of perseverance and the benefits of always being open to learn and grow. This is a story with profound lessons for young people as they prepare to face the difficult and hyper-competitive world that awaits them. Welcome to the Climb Podcast, where we tell extraordinary stories of the African youth. Just, as you said, just Plateau State. I am originally from Kogi State. From um, My dad is from Aingba. No, my dad is from Abijukolo. My mom is from Ogugu. But um, yeah, from Kogi State. But I was born in Joss. Went to primary school in Joss. Went to secondary school in Joss. Baptist High School. And um, when I graduated from um, secondary school, I moved to the United States for school. I went to school at Iowa State University. Started studying aerospace engineering and three years after I switched to software engineering and I graduated um, university in May 2020 and after graduating um, I joined Microsoft. I started working at Microsoft as a software engineer. Umar Abu is a young Nigerian software engineer based in the United States. Despite being a software engineer today, Umar's passion growing up wasn't really in computers. Rather, he was fascinated by airplanes. Ever since I was little, I've always been an inquisitive person. I've always wanted to know how things work. Always. Like, whenever I see something, the, the not shock per se, but like the, I, I just get intrigued. Like, oh, 
um, I see the way this thing is working, but how does it work internally, right? What are the moving parts to it and all that? Um, I am typically that person that kind of opens things, breaks, breaks them down just to understand how the components work. And so um, my dad kind of fueled that in me. Um, we used to watch this um, this channel, this show on Discovery Channel called How It's Made, and he would r record all the episodes. And whenever we would go visit him, he would, we would basically have like a, watch marathon where we just keep watching them one by one by one by one and so um when i was younger um all of that was happening and there was a time when my older siblings were going to school in the uk and we went to drop them off at the airport in abuja and that was kind of like my first encounter with a plane and there were planes landing at the time and the one thing that was in my mind was like the one thing that was running through my mind i still think about it these days how does something that big go up in the air in one piece and land in one piece right Um, how is gravity not um, affecting it, right? At the time, I didn't know anything about, you know, all that stuff. And so, um, yeah, that basically geared me towards aerospace engineering, towards um, aeronautical engineering, because I just, I wanted to figure out how that whole process worked. And I was also intrigued with planes. I was interested in just knowing as much as I could about that space. And so I, when I graduated university, um, I went, when I graduated secondary school, I chose Iowa State University. I went to Iowa State University because they had a really, really good um, aer aerospace program, and um, that was what I was uh, that was what I was going there for. So, but while at Iowa State, two things happened that changed the trajectory of Uma's life. I went there um, two and a half, three years in. I took a bunch of classes, um, like some aerodynamics courses, took a bunch of math courses, took a bunch of physics courses, and you know, in in about maybe after three and a half years, I I wouldn't say I figured it out, but I knew how it worked based on the aerodynamics courses that I was taking, right? You know, the forces acting on the plane, the lift, the drag, you know, the weight of the plane pulling it down, but the engine giving it thrust and all that stuff. So pretty, pretty soon I kind of had a solid idea of what that whole process looked like. And, you know, I realized that the the fascination about how it worked just left me. At the time, I was an I was an international student. Everything I was trying to get into was, you know, I was getting blocked by not having a permanent resident status or not having, um, not ha being able to pass security clearance. Right. So I was in a situation where I I didn't like the 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 hand that I had at the time. Right. Facing the challenges he did, and eventually losing his passion for aeronautical engineering at the middle of his course, must have been extremely difficult for Umar. But he wasn't deterred. He set out to discover a new passion. Three and a half years in, I think three three years to three and a half years in, um, I, I decided to switch my major. I wanted to major in something where, to switch my major to, to a field where I wouldn't get bored, right? I, I am always asking questions. I'm a, I'm a what, what's next type of person, right? I'm a, I, I want to keep working. I want to keep basically... I, I, I don't like getting bored with my work or basically with what I'm learning. So I looked for a major where I basically couldn't get bored, where maybe if I got bored, I could I could um, pivot to do something else. And I thought about mechanical engineering. Didn't suit me as well. Um, I didn't find it intriguing. Um, I thought about um, chemical engineering, wasn't fascinated by it. And um, a friend of mine directed me to software engineering. And, and I said, oh, you know, let me take a look at it. And so I took a bunch of 
um, courses on LinkedIn learning. At the time, it was lynda.com, but LinkedIn bought lynda.com at the time. And so I took a bunch of just programming courses there and I, I was fascinated, right? You could apply it to anything. Basically, every almost every industry uses software in some form, right? Uses programming in some form. And so, um, yeah, it's spring of 2017. I decided to switch my major to um to software engineering at, at Iowa State University. Um yeah, that's that's basically how that whole process went. So in the spring of 2017, Uma switched his course of study from aeronautical engineering to software engineering. But speaking as someone who has been a student myself, I know these are two insanely difficult courses. So how does someone just casually switch between them? I asked Uma if this was because he's smart or he just loves adventure. But rather, Uma narrowed the reason down to something we've been hearing a lot on this episode. Persistence. Um, I, I wouldn't... People around me have said I'm, I'm smart. I guess you could say so, but I, I, I don't think me personally being smart is what helped me make those decisions. I think it's persistence. Right? It's not giving up. It, nothing I've ever done has been easy. Right? Nothing, nothing worthwhile doing I've ever done has been easy. From technical drawing in um, in in secondary school, I remember. My school, my secondary school had a bad rep for not having good, um, not having good wire grades for technical drawing. Um, and I came back home and I told my mom that I needed a technical drawing lesson teacher. And we found someone from a different university who, who drove down to just, just to teach me technical drawing. And it was hard because I was learning stuff new, but I, I knew that I wanted to do well. So that, that that mindset from, you know, just those early days in my life to going to Iowa. Uma's persevering mindset had brought him far, but it was poised to take him even further. After switching to software engineering in 2017, Uma started seeking internships and learning opportunities with different software companies. Universities um, have these things called career fairs, where a bunch of companies um, come to recruit students for internships. They would essentially reach. They would essentially reach out to people who they found on like LinkedIn, who are from the schools, and say, "Hey, we are coming to your school, and we would like to interview you." And I think what what I did to set me apart then was, I what I did to set me apart to get you know picked out by those recruiters was I basically worked on as many projects as I could in terms of trying to learn. So whenever something came up where I was like, hey, you know, I have an idea for this app. Um, instead of just saying, you know, I have an idea for it, I actually went and I built the app and I deployed the app on online and I shared it with with people on like LinkedIn, right? I had a portfolio as well. So I would build it, deploy it, share it, right? Um, and so that basically set me apart from a lot of people, from a lot of um from a lot of my peers, because a lot of them would just do it and just leave it on on would basically just leave their code, right? They wouldn't, they would leave their code on GitHub. They wouldn't deploy it. So the recruiters seeing my work, seeing stuff that I had built, seeing my name attached to it, they always wanted to talk to me. So every year it was like clockwork. Google would reach out, I think it was around September every year saying, hey, you know, we want to interview you again, you know, and, and it just kept on happening every year and year. So that was how I kept getting those um, interviews. 
Despite getting multiple interviews with big tech companies, Uma wasn't always successful. But rather than despair, in his usual persistent manner, he sought to understand the reasons he was failing and took steps to overcome those failings. And, you know, you, you fail so many times that, you know, it, you, you kind of build a thick skin to it. And so eventually, you know, the, the big tech companies weren't working out for me with internships, but I had um, internships with smaller companies around um, are in the Midwest themselves. And everything with those companies, like the internships that I had, I interned at Rockwell Automation, where I wrote software for industrial drives. I learned a lot about actually writing software for for that use case, right? I thought I at the time I thought software was mainly for um for like mobile phones and stuff, but you know, it opened my eye to seeing that hey, software can be written for drives as well, right? Drives that power f- factories. Then after that, I interned at SPS Commerce, which is a company that makes software for EDI, basically co- consumers and suppliers. And I interned for them for a summer. They liked me so much that I I came back there, but I interned during the school year, right? So that that whole process was there. I worked for them for like a year and a half um, until graduation. So um, I learned a lot about web services, AWS, and building software that's actually in production, right? That UPS and Nordstrom use. So that that whole process was was it was just eye opening to for me to understand that you know yes I, I wanted the big tech companies but. At the same time, I was learning a lot from the smaller companies, right? They gave me opportunity to grow. And so after after I, um, when I was interviewing for a full-time job at the time, I went back to all the emails that I had received from all the previous interviews that I had done. And I looked for, I, I scrutinized each one of them um, and saw, looked for the resources um, that they suggested that you prepare with, right? And I used all the resources, I solved all the problems. And um, I also learned that they're not necessarily looking for the best technical fit, right? You could be the smartest person in the room and they may not hire you. Essentially, they want to also see a culture fit as well, right? Are you, do you match their culture? Are you a good, are, are you personable? Are you a good person to to work with? And so I think at the time when I was a senior in at Iowa State, I was mentoring a, a freshman who had just come in at the time and we were we would work on programming projects together we worked on an app that basically transferred music from spotify to apple music and apple music back to spotify it was a project that we both did together and it was in my resume and i think for one full interview that's all they asked me about right why did you choose to do this right how like why did you work um what was your thought process why did you work with this person right um what did you learn from mentoring them right and so i think that was that's for at microsoft specifically that's what set me apart right that whole mentorship process because microsoft's um goal sorry microsoft mission is to empower every every person and organization in the world to achieve more and just me doing that out of my own free time definitely kind of saw um for for them it was clear that i was a i was a cultural fit in addition to his brilliance Uma's willingness to mentor others in tech made him a standout candidate for Microsoft. And today, he has been with the world's most valuable company for over three years. And interestingly, Uma has continued to mentor others in tech by co-founding a tech mentorship company called Candor. The 
the thing with Candor is the when I was in when I was in aerospace engineering, I I was still trying to get internships, right? I was still trying to get um, still trying to get recruited by companies in the aerospace um, industry, but it wasn't working out for me. Um, but I didn't know why it why it wasn't working out. No one gave me feedback, right? My GPA was was good. My 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 skills were you know they were decent. Yes, I was a sophomore at the time, sophomore junior, but I just wasn't getting any callbacks, right? I wasn't getting any interviews. Then I went to Nesby. Nesby is a convention for called it's short for National Society of Black Engineers. I went to a convention and I like like the Iowa State Career Fairs. They also have career fairs there, and um the companies were looking to hire. And they would send, um, you know, their employees to come hire. And so I went to Nesby and I was talking to a recruiter. I, I don't remember if it was a recruiter or an engineer. Um, they were African as well. And they were working at a company. I don't remember the company, but essentially I went there to talk to them to try to get recruited, give them my resume. We're talking. And, you know, at some point in time, it, it just, I think the, the, the guy could tell I was Nigerian as well. And he just said, listen. I'm, I'm I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give you an interview, but I'll tell you why I'm not going to give you an interview. And he just gave me a rundown of everything that was wrong with my resume that no one ever told me, right? That I thought was good, right? He said, you know, you need to move this this way. I'm not seeing any skills. I'm not seeing any of this. You know, you need to put this bullet point this way. I see this experience, but it's not convincing. You know, just, he gave me the rundown and that conversation changed my life, to be honest, because it basically opened my whole I, it basically, it was, it was feedback that I wanted from a job application that no one ever gave or, and it, it basically just, it was, it was eye opening for me. It was game changing because then I knew why I wasn't getting those callbacks. It wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It was the way I was presenting myself and it wasn't good. Right. And, um, when, after I went back, I made those changes to my resume. The next year I went to that same guy and he offered me an interview at the company because he told me what to go work on and I worked on it and I came back and I was a better candidate than I was the, the year before and everything just worked out fine and so um in that that was essentially a, a, a one conversation can change someone's life right a conversation can change the way someone thinks which you know, which can basically change their life, open doors for them, right? See them, help them see life or view things in, in completely different ways. And so um, my mentor at the time, what what dude, um, had reached out to me about starting um, a company that does, essentially does what that man at the career fair did for me, right? Helps them get feedback as to why they're not getting hired, right? Or um, just helps them basically figure out and it helps them navigate the professional space. And so we co-founded the company together because it was something that I was passionate about. I was also doing it on my own free time. Um, people would reach out to me from my YouTube videos and say, hey, I want to get into tech, you know, I want to learn this. How do I learn this? And I would, you know, give them tips, give them resources um, and mentor them. It's something that I'm passionate about. The conversation can, that conversation changed my life and I genuinely want to do it for other people. As we concluded our interview, Uma tells me that despite working and living in the United States, his native country, Nigeria, is always in his heart. 
and he will continue to help people across Nigeria and indeed Africa who are looking to get into tech. Um, absolutely. Nigeria is my home. Nigeria is, 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 is where my heart is. I still have, my parents are still in Nigeria. I have siblings still in Nigeria. And I, I try to go back every year, once every year. And last time I was back was July, was June last year. Spent like, spent a month there. Um, I, first in terms of my business, in terms of, you know, the whole, the video that I make, I want to scale out to create more videos i also i'm also in the process of creating an academy called uma codes academy it's essentially uh a live cohort program for design for people who already know how to code but are trying to figure out their next steps right trying to say okay hey i've been coding for a year six months i've worked on so 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 and so projects but i don't know what to do next or how do I then figure out how to get a job? How do I figure out how to do that stuff? And that's the whole premise of Uma Codes Academy. The first cohort is starting um, January 20th, January 22nd. And so basically for, for, for that, I, I made it intentional. I, I have an intentional goal to give out free seats to people from Nigeria essentially people who can't afford it right there's a there's a price for it but for people who can afford it i'm giving out two free seats generally just for people who qualify people from nigeria because as i said the 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 talent and the 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 knowledge base of nigerians alone um of of not just nigerians africans in general who basically have that persistence and zeal is a lot and if if I can, you know, have a conversation, as I said, with someone and basically or basically expose them to new opportunities or teach them things that they may not know. And, you know, it's essentially one way of doing my part in the future. I currently don't have anything planned. Um, I think as 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 things expand and as I grow, um, I, I would definitely want to have either conventions or just speaking engagements in Nigeria whenever I go back to just, you know, have people come up, um, have like speaking engagement where I talk about, I don't know, maybe ways to find new opportunities, um, create create a community of, or join a community of people in tech in Nigeria and seeing how I can contribute or how I can share. That's definitely what I want to do in the future. So from the city of Jos in Northern Nigeria, through hard work, brilliance and perseverance, Uma Abu has worked his way to the world's most valuable company and he is just getting started. What could be more inspiring? And for young people like him across Nigeria and indeed Africa, Uma has these parting words. Um, it, 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 always, it always seems or looks harder than it, it is, right? It's always harder than... It actually is. Whenever I've been in a situation in my life where I'm like, man, you know, this is, this is very, very bad, right? Like, in the future, I look past it and it wasn't as bad as I was making it look, right? It's the situation. I think it's more, for me, it's always been about my mindset, right? What's your mindset towards a situation like that? Um, things are hard. Things are hard. Even here in the US for young people, things are hard, but... Even as things are hard, there's there's opportunities, right? There's ways for you to 
find there's basically ways for you to find true right in in times of in times where things aren't going well for every for a lot of people it's still going well for some people right and like the difference between those two groups is the you know among other things like is trying to figure out ways to make it work for you right you can you can either give up and just say yeah everything is going to be how it is or you can kind of push through for lack of a better word essentially find find a way through right it's 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 also one thing one thing me and my mom always talk about is it's 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 not the end right it's 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 not the it's not the end of the world it it always seems like it is when things are hard and when things are rough but it's it's not the end right at the end of the day just try to push try to push through try to figure out ways that you can either apply yourself or learn a new skill or just you know push like put yourself out um find ways that you can apply yourself find ways that you can push through find ways that you can just make it work right like don't give up i think that's the last thing um that's 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 basically how i'm going to end the note don't give up and again it's harder than it says but if it was easy then everyone would be doing it just do, don't give up that's it this episode of the climb podcast was hosted and edited by Jewel Atadobright. Special thanks to Uma Abu for allowing us to tell his story. The Glenn Podcast is a podcast collaboration between the Channels Media Group and the Philosophy Institute for Africa at the London School of Economics and Political Science. Thank you for listening. <laughs>